Hey, if you are a female listener, check on your husbands and your significant other. We are not okay. (laughs) Welcome to the Boxing One Podcast, where we discuss Christ, sports, and culture through the lens of the gospel. See, Laz, what's up, man? Welcome back to the Boxing One Podcast. This is your boy, Jay Rich, hanging out with the homie, See, Laz. What's up, man? I'm just chilling, man. How are you? I'm good, man, but I'm not too good. You know, we're all in this coronavirus situation, right? Dealing with that. But as a black man, we deal with something very unique that we want to talk about today, right? It's tough, man. Is it tough? Is it really tough? Jay Rich, it's tough. So. For all the listeners out there, especially if you're not African-American, one of the most sacred spaces for black men is the barbershop. It's places where theological conversations happen, sociological conversations happen, and just all types of outright foolishness. But more practically, it's where we get tightened up and we get that tight line that you see at work every two weeks when we show up. And we got a nice fade on our head. Well, because of COVID-19, the brothers are hurting. And we about to see a whole lot more brothers come on home. (laughs) 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 See, last man, what you been doing amidst this coronavirus on the haircut front? Because, you know, black men and barbershops have been shut down. So black men are trying to figure this out. We're about three weeks in. So some of us are overdue for our haircut. What have you been doing? Oh, I came on home, Jay Rich. You know I had to go ahead and just bald it out. I can't look at uh I can't look at it. I can't look in the mirror. I'm not one that spends a lot of time in the mirror anyway, but I couldn't just have that feeling on top of my head that like my hair wasn't fresh. That is it just drives me crazy. I know it's a little thing, uh, but it it would drive me crazy. But shout out to my barber. I've had the same barber for 28 years, and he taught me how to do it before this. I just so ever case, um, in, in a case where money was tight or I had something else, I have a big family, and it's not always financially feasible to be down there, that I can just go ahead and bald it well myself. And he'll let me know real quick if I mess up. Wait, your barber too. taught you how to cut your hair? That's love. What kind of economic model is that, man? I need to talk to Demotes. Demo's trying to lose a client. <laughs> he said I'm annoying. He said he was glad. <laughs> he said it was, I was, he was glad to see me go. Nah, for wow. real. Uh, I've always looked up to him. He was the point guard on varsity when I was the point guard on junior varsity. So he's cut my hair. I've traded him ankle weights for haircuts when we were in high school. I've paid for haircuts with the barter system on plenty of occasions. Uh, that's just my homie. Uh, we go way back since ninth grade in high school. He's been my barber and all my favorite memories in my city pretty much happened there. Man, the barbershop is such a sacred space. I mean, for black men, probably second to church for many of them, but probably over and above church for a lot of others, right? Because some people just can't make it to church, but they got to go to the barbershop. And sometimes theological conversations happen in barbershops. So I guess I want to know, C-Last, like what 
do black men do now for that theological grounding? Because can't go to church physically, can't go to barbershops physically, especially those who aren't really churched people who go to church. Like, where do you have those conversations now if you're a black man? Beyond the haircut, beyond the aesthetics, where do you get that spiritual grounding from? Now, see, Jay Rich, this is about, I'm trying to figure out which direction we should take the podcast because we could go the direction where we say like, hey, I live in a predominantly African-American community and we are not the best at social distancing and staying six feet apart. Uh, it's nothing for me to get home. And I hear uh, the oldies on. We got the neighborhood DJ. I told you the other day, we got our own DJ D-Nice for our neighborhood. And it's 70 degrees outside. <laughs> I, just, I just don't know how many people are still abiding by that. Um, and then barbers really aren't supposed to cut out of their home because they could be fine. So uh We'll leave the Underground Railroad of haircutting out of this conversation as well, right? We're going to take uh, leave that out. It is curious to me that I still see a few people with fresh shape-ups, but we won't speak on it, Jay Rich. <laughs> uh, but you do bring up a point. It's just the idea that, like, our barbershop is closed. Like, when you get up and you want to have some sense of normalcy and say, like, oh, let me swing by the barbershop and just clown for a few minutes, then think, like, oh, I can't go, and then remember why you can't go. And then you start to feel lost. Not the type of loss that a lot of people are feeling because people are dying and people aren't being able to be with their family members when they're dying. I saw a pastor post about having to do the funeral on Zoom. Um, that just feels awkward. Wow. But, um, yeah, so uh, it's not the biggest lament, but it's a true lament nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. And I would just encourage brothers to find ways to have that outlet. You know, black men have always, um, in some instances, been internal and don't want to speak about stuff. And the barbershop was that space for us to do that. So find you a space, wherever it may be, do a Zoom call with the fellas or just a phone call with the homies, just chopping it up. Get some type of outlet since you can't go to the barbershop and do those things. You have to be able to do that. And that's one of the things that me and you are doing even now on the podcast. Like this is our opportunity just to chop it up man, in the midst of craziness. So this is in essence, our barbershop. And we actually did come up with a barbershop question or conversation that's going to get heated here in a second. Nah, I'm a, I just got some questions for you. What kind of questions you got for me? So listen, the sports world, like the barbershop has been in lament. But then there was a reprieve because ESPN said, and I've seen uh, Brian Loritz, Matt from Together for the Gospel, the Gospel Coalition, excuse me, lots of people saying like, hey, please push that Jordan documentary up. And ESPN has said, yes, we will. And so on April 19th, we'll start the 10-part Jordan documentary. And the sports world is so hyped. Ironically, it's all about Jordan again. but. We are thrilled, but not everyone is thrilled, Jay Rich. Why are you not so happy? I despise Michael Jordan. He is number one on the list, and then RIP Kobe. Kobe might be my second least favorite player of all time. Both great basketball players, mind you. Both did great work on the court, 
But for some reason, I can't or I couldn't bring myself to like either one of these guys. Now, I'm going to tell you, I am going to watch this documentary because I need basketball in my life right now. But knowing what I know about Jordan and knowing the type of teammate he was, I just can't get on board with Team Jordan. Is he the greatest player of all time? Very likely. Is he my most favorite player of all time? Absolutely not. As a matter of fact, he's dead last on the list. Period. Come on, Jay Rich. Dead last. Listen, even even below Derek Fisher, who beat my Spurs with 0.4 seconds left, even below Ray Allen, who beat my Spurs on the last second shot and told us to take those ropes down, I hate Michael Jordan. I'm sorry. I despise the dude. So you trying to tell me that you got Jordan on the list of hate behind Derek Fisher that ended up getting in a fight with uh, Matt Barnes. Like, <laughs> yep. He's below him. Now, you know, you are not about to hate watch this series, this whole series hate watch. Are you? I sure am. I will hate watch this 30 for 30, like no other 30 for 30 before. And hey, I, what a what hate watch when you know you about to hate something when you watch it. What is a good hate watch snack? <laughs> Probably like unsalted popcorn. Because <laughs> you got all the saltiness already. Yeah, exactly. So, something you're going to hate eating. But here's the thing. Here's why I'm excited, because for so many years um, and I'm not like I work hard. Um, when I have conversations about the directions where hip hop culture is going or directions about simple things like LeBron versus Mike, I try not to be that get off my lawn guy and not see things through the lens of the younger generation. But what I feel like they're missing is like, you just don't understand who Mike was and y'all are so quick to hand LeBron the crown. Like you need this homework and there's nothing else you're doing. So I know they about to get this homework. And then I feel like we can have a more, informed conversation about LeBron versus Jordan. For that, I I will give you that. I'm good with them learning about 90s basketball because these kids don't have any framework for that. So they now they're going to have to learn it. But again, 90s era Michael Jordan, my least favorite player of all time. And this documentary, I will be hate watching, even though it's a train wreck. That I'm watching, I'm going to enjoy watching the train wreck from a hater's perspective because I despise the 90s Bulls with all my heart. Jay Rich, though, come on. Are you still mad that Jordan punched Steve Kerr? Nah, bro. I was. happened to 70 times 7? I was a Sonics fan. You don't understand this. I love GP and Sean Kemp, and they had the Sonics number every year. It was just frustrating for me so you got to understand man the bulls are just a terrible team one of those super teams you just don't like seeing i need to ask you about 30 for 30 though because this is one of those epic 30 for 30 series that's going to be a good one even though i hate jordan i know it's going to be a good one which one is your favorite 30 for 30 of all time then i'll give you mine iverson i'm from va we only give one answer the Tide Water Iverson. But listen, you know they had a Vic one. Vic's from VA. So why was Iverson better than the Vic one? 
because Iverson was Michael Vick in football and he was Allen Iverson in basketball. People don't remember that, man. We don't do any harm. We don't, you do not speak ill of those names in VA, but AI was in both sports. Yeah, AI was a monster football player. People don't realize that. Some people don't realize that, but some of that game film that you saw, it was like, man, he was Michael Vick before Michael Vick. And baseball. Yeah, he was just an athlete, period. So he could have done that in any one of those sports. Can you imagine Hall of Fame baseball player Allen Iverson? <laughs> like a football player could never be my favorite because when I started getting older, football started to hurt a lot. And I was starting to get hit. And every with every hit, I lost a little bit of love for the sport with every hit. And then, so obviously a basketball player is going to be my favorite, David. I'm good, man. I'm good with that. Well, let me tell you what my favorite was. And this is partially due to both of our affinity for hip hop. The U. (laughs) Bro, Miami football was everything for us back in the day. You know that. Like the black community and Miami football were peas in a pod. Everybody had the, the nice starter jackets. Everybody was hanging out with Luke and two live crew. That was BC before Christ. But the U was a documentary that just, that just showed you that they had a squad that nobody could deal with. Like the U was the UNLV of football. Maybe the Georgetown, but UNLV is probably a better one. But you're right. I mean, it was just like, oh, and, oh my goodness. They had so much talent and so many characters on that team. They just had NFL players everywhere. Yeah, and the documentary straight captured that, and it was so captivating, man. I couldn't take my eyes off of it. They always do a good job, but the U was down, hands down, my favorite one for sure. Absolutely. We got to get that 2008 Florida one, though, with uh, Tim Tebow and the Pouncey Twins, Hernandez, and um, Raleigh Cooper. So. But they need a part two from the Florida football community. Listen, that one right there would be a great one too, man. That team right there had a lot of character, for sure. (laughs) So listen, I talk about hating Jordan, but one of the things that we both know is that he was fearless on the basketball court. And being in this time, when we're talking about Corona, talking about COVID-19, there's a lot of fear going on among not just the black community, but just communities in general. People not knowing what's next, not knowing how long this is going to be. And again, as we talked about this, we're going to pull back the curtain a little bit because you and I kept talking back and forth about this. Like, how is it that we help people who have these fears? Like, what type of ways can we help people practically who do have these fears in the midst of something that none of us can really explain. So, Silas, what can we do to help, man? Yeah, that's a great question, Jay Rich. And I was just searching through the scriptures, came up with four stories that I thought, like, man, same circumstances, but two different responses um, yesterday, and I sent them over to you, even though I sent one with the wrong text to it. And Jay Rich was like, you just sent me a genealogy. This bro. dude so sending me is, out here sending me begots and begots. <laughs> uh, but when we start to think, um, there's a story um, 
in the Torah, and it's uh, they're promised to promised land, and they send out 12 spies. And 10 of the spies come back and give a bad report. But two of the spies have their eyes on God, said this is what God has promised us. And so they came back and gave a great report. Like their report was about the land. We can do this. The other 10 was like, ah, we look like grasshoppers compared to the size of these other guys. Then there was a story also of uh, Jesus being in the boat with Peter. Peter running up on him was like, master, don't you care that we perish? And then I just kept seeing all these uh, stories through scripture. But the thing was, um, I think one of them was Elisha and Gehazi, where he's like, look, we're surrounded. And he's like, don't you know who's for us? Lord, open his eyes. And basically, the people who were able to keep their focus on God saw things from a different perspective and did not fear. And so every time that I start to like find myself being fearful in our current uh, climate, I got to remind myself, like, wait, I know the God who is sovereign over all this, and he is trustworthy, and he will always do uh, what's good. He's always working for my best interest. It doesn't mean he won't allow us to suffer. I should be clear on that, but he's always working everything for our good. And so I can trust my life into his hands and I don't have to worry. And here's the thing about that passage in Mark 4, 38, where Jesus is in the boat. The thing that always struck me about that passage is that they're on the Sea of Galilee. These guys are fishermen and this storm comes up and Jesus is asleep. It's like, bruh, how can you sleep through a storm, like a legit storm that's tossing this boat and making these fishermen who are professionals scared? He's sitting there sleep. And I think a lot of people, even today, and don't want to admit it, even Christians, even believers, feel like, where is God in all of this? Is he sleeping on us? As we go through this storm called the coronavirus, is our God asleep. And the thing that's comforting about that passage is they bring the issue to him, right? Because they're professionals. They're supposed to be able to get through these storms. But as professional fishermen, this is something they've never seen before. So they bring it to him. He wakes up and he speaks to the storm and it calms, which is crazy to me. Like he, and that's what they say at the end. It's this lingering question. What manner of man of this is this, that even the sea obey him? And then it just stops right there. The passage ends with a question, which is a question for us, man, a question for all of us. Hey, what manner of God is this, that even the coronavirus is going to obey him? And see, that's the thing, Jay Rich. Um, you and I tend to read a lot, and I'm fine with learning lessons through reading. Uh, but there's some things you have to learn through experience. Because imagine if Jesus would have been like to Peter, hey, you know I can calm the sea, right? Never just showed him, just in a passing conversation. Like, <clears throat> Peter would have been like, all right, I'll add that to the list of things I know about you. But like when he goes through the storm and gets to watch it, like Peter gets transformed by that. And he's starting to see like, oh, like, the God that I, like my picture of God is too small. Mm. And um, it completely shatters that in that moment. And then they say like, all right, like we need, we need new categories for who he is because the categories we have don't fit. 
Um, and sometimes we have to walk through things in order to learn that. Like we just can't learn that from a book. Yeah, that's really good. And that's the importance of also remembering how God has showed up for you in the past. That was his normal instructions to the Israelites was remember what I did for you. And in remembering, then you'll be able to member yourself in the present. In other words, put yourself back together again in the present by remembering the past because I'm the same God who was there in the past and I'm there right now in your current situation. Even if you feel like I'm asleep, I'm still in the boat. So even in sharing those four stories with you, I'm leaving one out off the top, but even with sharing those stories with you, like I find myself being comforted by scripture and saying like, wait, like what am I missing here? Oh, I'm missing my eternal perspective. And all I can see is my circumstances and they look big, but they make my God look small. But if I can flip that, then I can focus in my God's big and my circumstances look small and completely within the capability of his dealing. And that's the key. Keep an eternal perspective in our temporal circumstances. I think that's going to be what people. That's tweetable. <laughs> that's what people need to hear from this is that you need to make sure you keep that eternal perspective even in your temporal circumstances. And it allows you to open your eyes like the servant does with Elijah there, where he sees that there are more for us than there are against us. All right, see, Les, let's get to what we're reading, what we're listening to. Hey, what you been reading this week, man? What you been listening to? Uh, I've, been, I've been scooping some more music because I've had more downtime. Honestly, I'm still in that NT Write book, but I'm just trying to do more writing as of right now. I, you and I both like to write. And I don't want to waste time. Um, God in his providence has given me more time, but I still want to be a good steward of it. And so I'm working on some books that I'm hoping to finish up. And I'm reading N.T. Wright's book um, to do some more writing because I felt like I really needed to have a better grasp on um, heaven coming down and revelation at the end. And so I'm just getting to that part of it. Just finished up with the first 77 pages of that book working through um, his working on the resurrection, which was really good and really timely for us heading into Easter. What about you, bro? What you got? That's a good segue, because you're going to be proud of me, man. We're going into Easter season, and I had a professor by the name of Adam Wynn who wrote a fiction novel called Killing the Messiah. And it is a fictional account, but it's based on New Testament historical evidence, where he talks about the conspirators, talks about everybody leading up to Jesus being crucified. And it's really captivating. I'm not going to lie, man. You know, I hate fiction books, but this is something that's preparing my heart this season for Easter. So I'm reading that right now. It's called Killing the Messiah by Adam Wynn. Our imaginations need the gospel too, Jay Rich. I'm just going to leave it at that. Now that's tweetable. I like that. I like that. (laughs) And then what I'm listening to, I'm actually going back, man. I'm going back to some old Fred Hammond, man, listening to Don't Pass Me By, uh, one of my favorite songs by Fred Hammond about the blind, blind bar mayors by the roadside. It, Ages of life? Come on, Jay Rich. You don't think I know about that? I listened to that yesterday. What? You be on that Pages of Life? Every day of my life. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big Fred Hammond fan, man. So I just went back and listened to some of his tracks. And sometimes that's just got to get some good old gospel music, man. That's what you got to do. Listen, Jay Rich, I just did everybody on the podcast a favor by not singing that. Because I love to sing that song, Don't Pass Me By. Like, and uh, 
There was. No, I'm not gonna do it, bro. I'm not gonna do it. Hey, listen. I don't know. I don't know if we want to lose subscribers. But I did see you dance on the uh, on your social media the other day. You got way more rhythm than you gave yourself credit. <laughs> I did a little two step, man. I told you I got two dances. That's it, and I'm done. I'm good to go after that. I'm in. <laughs> Always good to catch up with you, Jay. Rich. Likewise, man. Hey, thank you guys for joining us again for the Boxing One Podcast. Enjoy having y'all come through. We enjoyed talking about barbershops, MJ, and talking about not living in fear. Hopefully this was helpful for each and every one of you. We always look forward to joining you all on the podcast. Make sure you go over and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and most of the stores. Just look at the Boxing One Podcast and you'll find us. Otherwise, we just enjoy having some chop it up time man in light of the fact that the barbershop is closed (laughs) we'll see you guys next go round grace and peace to you all